Once again, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'd love for... Pardon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I um, would love for you to think through this image with me as we ponder um, Galatians yet again um, and think through either what it was like um, when you first became a dad or what that must have been like. Moms, you can use um, the mother analogy here. It works to a point, but not quite as well. Um, but, but think through what it was like to become a dad or, or what it might be like if you ever become one or, or, or any, you know, that sort of scenario. Um, but just consider this, that that moment you became a father, your life um, changed, obviously. It changed dramatically and drastically and rather quickly. And part of what's happening there is when your child is born and you hold that baby for the first time in your arms and you gaze into his eyes or her eyes, um, you receive a new status, if you will, a new name, a new title. You're no longer just Tyler, um, but you're dad, you're daddy. Up until that moment, you have not been daddy, but then at that moment, you're, you're dad, and it's an amazing experience. But it's a little, it's, it's, it's surreal in, in many ways because, well, let, let's be honest, guys. You didn't really do a whole lot of work to get that title, right? Your wife, moms, did a lot of work. Uh, There's there a lot going on there for nine months and those last few hours especially. But, Dad, you didn't do much. And even leading up to that moment, um, it's kind of surreal. You know, you, it's going to happen. You're going to be a dad, but you don't really, you know, you, it's hard to process and it's, it's kind of distant. But when you hold that baby, you're dad. You're daddy. You have a new status, a new um, title. You have, you, you, your life has changed. And, and because of that new status, because of that new title, um, things will change and your life will be different. You'll start changing diapers, for instance. But, but up until that moment, you didn't have it. Now you've got this title, your dad, and, and you're moving on into to this amazing journey as a father. Um, and in a sense, that is what Paul is talking about here in Galatians. He is talking about how when, when we come to faith, when we receive Jesus Christ, we are given a new status. A new title, that sort of theological sounding word that he, he gives us. He says, when you know Jesus, you have been justified. That is your new title. You are justified. You're no longer, um, you no longer have the title over here of sinner. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin anymore, but it means you're no longer, um, that's not your status anymore before God. Your status isn't sinner. Your status is now justified. We're going to unpack that this morning. That's the basic point of that paragraph we read from Galatians is simply that. You have a new title. Your title is now justified. So keep that image in mind of, of becoming a dad um, as we think about what it means to be justified before God. Let's not forget, though, where we are. We're, we're, we're in Galatians, and Paul is writing this letter of Galatians. Paul's an apostle. Um, he 
is a follower of Jesus Christ. He's planted churches around the known world, and he planted a few here in Galatia, modern-day Turkey. And he's writing this letter to them because they have started following a teaching that was in opposition to the teaching Paul gave them. So Paul told them about Jesus Christ, and he said salvation... Um, becoming, one, becoming right before God is, is found in Jesus Christ alone. And these opponents of Paul come in after he leaves and they say, well, not totally. It's not really like that. Um, Jesus, yes, he's good. Believe in him. But you need to behave a certain way as well. You need Jesus plus the way you behave. And we talked about this last week. Are we um, Jesus period Christians or Jesus plus Christians? And you, you know, I'm a, I'm a, and we want to be Jesus period Christians. It is Jesus period. That's salvation. But these folks are coming in. They're saying, well, you need Jesus plus you need what Paul is going to call works of the law. And we'll unpack that a little bit. But basically, these folks were saying, follow Jesus, great, but you've got to behave the right way as well if you want to be right with God. That's what's happening. And, and that reminded Paul then in chapter 2 of an encounter he had with Cephas, with Peter. Which, by the way, it doesn't mean homeboy, I was misled. <laughs> Cephas is Aramaic for rock. And if you'll recall in the Gospels, um, Jesus renamed Peter. And he says, from now on you will be known as Petros, the rock. The rock upon whom I will build my church. And so Paul here is, is calling Jesus in Aramaic uh, for whatever reason. He's calling him the rock. And don't get distracted and start thinking about the actor. This is not that. Um, but he's, he's recalling this story about his encounter with Peter. And, and what happened was Paul was in Antioch, a city uh, north of Jerusalem. And he was there and Peter came to visit. And Peter... And Paul, both of them, they're both Jews by birth, and so they're used to living a certain way and doing a certain thing, and that includes um, eating with the right people and eating the right foods and doing the right things. Um, those were all parts of being Jewish, about obeying the law. And so Peter gets to Antioch, and he starts having table fellowship, eating dinner with Paul and Gentile sinners. Gentile sinners, so people who weren't Jewish, who didn't follow all the laws, who didn't obey all the rules. It'd be like in our gospel reading today, this woman, if you notice, um, Luke was at pains to call her a sinner, came to eat with Jesus and the Pharisees. And Jesus welcomed her, and you, everybody else kind of bristled. They're like, who is this that eats with sinners? And, and so you have Peter and Paul, and they're eating with sinners, and everybody's happy. Why? Because they believe in Jesus Christ. But then um, some opponents, very similar to the ones in, in, that Paul's encountering in Galatia, they come up, and Peter sees them, and he reverts to his old ways. He won't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He and his, the fellow Jews, they go eat by themselves. And so you have two groups. And so what once was a unified body of believers confessing Jesus Christ, are, they're separated Because Peter has decided, again, that he needs to follow the law. That he needs to be a Jesus plus Christian. And so, Paul then, in our paragraph that we read this morning, our our few verses, is addressing Peter. He is recounting in a letter to the Galatians what he said on this event to Peter. Um, 
And he said basically two things. You have a new status. Don't forget that. And let the way you behave, let the way you act, be in accord with the status you've been given by Jesus Christ. So let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verses, let's start at verse 15. 15 and 16. So, so imagine, this is Paul um, recalling for the Galatians what he said to Peter. As he would have said this to Peter. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Got that? I'll unpack it a little bit. That's two verses. Three times Paul uses the word justified, and three times he uses the phrase works of the law. And so if we're going to understand what he's talking about, we've we've got to look then at these words. And let's define our terms and then see what is going on. So two things. Works of the law um, is simply this. Paul is referring to the law of Moses. The Jewish people, they were led out of Egypt into the Sinai Peninsula and they were given the law. Now the most familiar part of that to you and to most of us is the Ten Commandments. That's part of the law of Moses, the part of the moral law, if you will. And there's a whole bunch of rules that follow um, these Ten Commandments that help you to live up to them. And so that's what Paul's talking about, the, the law of Moses. He's also talking about the ceremonial laws that were part of the law of Moses. So how do you worship God? How do you offer animal sacrifices to atone for sin? All of these things are part of the law of Moses. Finally, he's talking about um, purity laws. And especially in our context today, that's what he has in mind. He has all of it, but he's thinking about this especially. Um, Eating clean animals versus unclean animals. Eating with the right people. Associating with the right crowds. Being, keeping yourself clean and holy so that you can be justified before God. So that leads us then to the second term, justified. This is a legal term that Paul is using. And what he's thinking about would be a courtroom setting where a judge would pronounce a sentence over you. Okay? If you come before that judge and you give an account of your merits and um, the reason that you have behaved like you have behaved, He will pronounce a sentence, and if you've done a good job of explaining yourself, you will receive a sentence of justified, of in the right, innocent, if you will. But, but, But this idea of being justified, so before the judge, you are not guilty, you are justified. And so Paul is taking that, and he's putting it before God, and he says this, and the last sentence kind of sums it up pretty well. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Right there in verse 16, I think. Yes, right there at the end of verse 16. By works of the law, no one will be justified. So if you're seeking a right status, a right standing before God, if you want to be justified in the eyes of God, you cannot get there by obeying the law. You cannot get there by being 
perfectly holy or perfectly clean or associating with the right people or worshiping in the right way. None of those things will justify you before God. None of them can do that. You can try and try and try, but they will not justify you before God. Why not? Well, underneath all this is the reality of sin. Sin is basically, um, well, it's two things. It's the actions that we do or don't do that are not holy, that are not in accordance with God and His holiness, but it's also our status. Um, We are just born sinful. We are born short. We are born not being able to live up to the standards of God. Now, some of you are thinking, well, well, Tyler, come on. I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. I lived a pretty holy life. I've done, you know, more good things than bad things. Um, My response to you, if you're thinking that, is, what's your standard? Who are you comparing yourself to? Are you comparing yourself to neighbor Joe across the street? Well, yeah, sure, you're better than him. What, are you better than Mother Teresa? What's your standard? And if Mother Teresa's way up here, and you're way down here, and yet Mother Teresa herself would admit that she was not up to God's standard, where are you going to fall then on this, on this continuum? What, what's the standard of goodness? You just have to have, you know, if you have five goods and four bads, you're okay, but if it's reversed, you're not. How does that work? It doesn't. Works of the law... Self-justification will not work in the eyes of God. So how, how are we justified? And Paul says it a few times in this passage, by faith in Jesus Christ. If we went down to verse 20, Paul says this, The life I now live in the flesh, I live how? By faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Praise God. Jesus Christ is the only one who can justify himself before God. He's the only one who is God's son, who walked on this earth, who who lived a perfect and holy and righteous life, the only one justified before God. And when he stands in that courtroom before God, he pleads guilty on our behalf. He takes our judgment... And those who are joined to him receive his righteousness, receive his justification. And so the only way that we are justified before God, it's not by anything we can do, it's not by any sort of holy standards, it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone. We receive his righteousness, we received his verdict of justification. Jesus made this happen on the cross. When he died for us, he paid the penalty for our sin. Then he was raised from the dead, and we are raised with him when we have faith in him. And that's what Paul is saying to Peter. He's reminding him, he's saying, Peter, you have a new status. You have been justified. You have been justified. So, um, we continue on to the uh, second part of the letter, second part of the paragraph. And frankly, Peter and the Galatians um, that were sort of um, 
thinking they needed Jesus and the works of the law. They, they knew they were justified. They had, this was nothing new to them. And what Paul was reminding them of is they cannot fall back into their old way of living. That if you're justified, you cannot go back to living under the law. That was the concern. So let's say you're a dad. You've received this new status, this new title. Things will necessarily change, right? Things will necessarily change. And so, like I mentioned earlier, you're probably going to start changing diapers. Um, You're probably, maybe, going to start making bottles. You're definitely going to start spending um, time with children that, that you haven't done before. So there are things that are in your life that are going to change, right? Now, you're not going to be perfect. It's not like you get a baby or if, you're, if you've adopted, it's not like you receive these children and you automatically know every single thing to do the right way all the time. It doesn't happen. But by virtue of having these kids, by virtue of holding these babies... They are changing you. Your new title, your new status is changing you, who you are, how you behave, what you do. You can't go back to the way it was before. You're going to have unhappy kids and an unhappy mama, I'll tell you that. You can't go back to the way it was before. And that's what Paul is saying to Peter in the Galatians, he said, he said, you've been justified. Why, why are you going back? And so we'll pick it up in verse 17. If in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Um, really quick, what's he saying here? He's, he's proposing an argument. He's saying, okay, um, Paul, this is my response to that. Let's say you've been justified, and then you go eat with all these sinners, with all these Gentiles, doesn't that make you a sinner, Paul? What are you doing over there with these guys? And Paul says, no way, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. The real sin is not, is not in keeping yourself holy. The real sin is building up what Jesus Christ tore down, is going back to an old way of life, is putting yourself back under the law, trying to justify yourself when you've received this new status as a gift from God. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <coughs> to be justified is, like we said earlier, it's a, it's a change of status. The law, um, any sort of holiness, any sort of standards that you're trying to live up to are external to you. It's a bar, it's a line that you have to cross, a, a level that you have to meet. And you either, you either meet it or you don't, but it's something outside of you. But to be justified, to have this new status, means to have Christ in you. The old person living under the law, trying to prove themselves, trying to prove themselves before God and man, that person is dead. Died to the law, crucified with Christ. The new person is alive with Jesus Christ inside. The power of the Holy Spirit 
showing them what it means to live a life of justification, what it means to be justified. And so then Paul closes, verse 21, or the closes this section. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Peter believed in Jesus. The Galatians believed in Jesus. And Paul is saying, if you believe in Jesus, then you don't need the law. Because if you start trying to justify yourself again, if you go back to that old way of life, then this Jesus you believe in died for no good reason. You don't need him. You don't need him. If you want to justify yourself, there's no point in being here on Sunday morning. He died for nothing if we could justify ourselves through the law. But we can't. We never will be able to. The message of salvation is a message of grace and love and death and resurrection from God to us. One-way love. And so, um, I'll I'll leave you with a a couple of questions. Um, For most of you all, this isn't new. Um, Many of you, you've heard this before. Um, I should hope so. If you're coming here here regularly, you would know this message of grace. Um, The question is, are you, are we turning into, um, we falling back into the old ways of life, towards a Peter um, way of life here in this story? He obviously wasn't always like that. Um, Or to what the Galatians, are we falling back on a Jesus plus Christianity? And, And what I want you to ask yourself is, How am I projecting that to others, okay? What standards am I holding others to that God does not even expect of me? What standards am I expecting people to meet before I can consider them Christians, before I consider them to know Jesus? Do they have to be a certain level of holiness before they can know the gospel? They have to conform to how I worship or how I behave or what restaurants I eat at or, or what I do with my free time. Do they, do they have to conform before they can know Jesus Christ? I guarantee you that there are people in your life that you are treating that way. I do it all the time. Where and who is receiving an expectation that God does not even expect of us. Who are you going to share the gospel with? This message of just free and unconditional grace. The second question is this. You know, some of you, um, you might not have heard the gospel presented this way before. You might have come here thinking, well, he's going to tell me to behave so Jesus will love me. That's not how it works. Jesus loves you. You confess him, you receive the status, you're justified. Things will change as you realize what that means, as you are drawn closer to him. But, but, but if you've come here today and you're buried in your own burdens and your own doubts and your own fears and your, your own self-justification, Jesus says, lay that down. Lay it down. Receive a new status. Receive a new title. Know how much I love you. I will change your life. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us a new status. That we are your justified people. Convict us, Lord, of those places and those people that we are um, not loving in the same way you loved us. Help us, Lord, to share your gospel of grace with them. And for the folks here who are just hearing this for the first time, this is brand new to them. I pray, Lord, that you would um, show up in their lives in a powerful way. They would know your love for them, their justification before you. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to transform all of us into a gospel-proclaiming people, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.